Hey everybody and welcome back to Popcorn Prattle. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Marcus Sally, executive producer of Shenanigans Incorporated and one of the co-creators of Popcorn Prattle. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. We are but a humble podcast that enjoys talking about movies not in a pretentious way, but as if you just saw a great movie, you went to the bar, and now you want to talk about it with your best good buddies. And of course, as always, I am joined by my best good buddies. First up, let me introduce you to the ever-so-lovely, it's the ever-so-talented, yo, it's Miss Lindley Key. Lindley, say hi to the folks at home. Hi, folks at home. And audience, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to our Mega Avengers Endgame spoiler review episode, but the team was successful. We got them back. Everybody, give it up for the man, the myth, the legend. It's Mr. Stephen Bailey. Stephen, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Marcus. How, how have you guys been? How have y'all we, been? We, we've been good. We've been good. I would do an Avengers Endgame reference, but I know you haven't seen it. Wait, is that out already? Exactly. See, Dave, this is why Dave hates you. were you. snapped out of existence. Oh, is that what happened? I, I thought I fell asleep for like a few minutes or something. Oh my gosh, you did you did an Avengers Endgame joke and <laughs> yes, I, I, I love it three thousand. Do you get I that? Do you get that, Steven? Steven? Yes, I did. I get that. Yeah, Proud of you. Yeah. Proud of you, Steven. Well, it's only because he saw a meme. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Slightly less proud. Okay. Nope. Well, nope. You said it. You said it. I'm keeping it. <laughs> Well, Stephen Bailey, we're happy to have you back on the show, bud, but we have another Stephen in our lives now. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, audience, we have a very special guest here tonight from Universal Monsters Universe. Everybody, show your love for Mr. Stephen Biscotti. Stephen, say hi to the folks at home, man. How's everybody doing? I'm, I'm sure they're doing great. We're doing great. We're happy to have you. Um... Can you uh, tell tell the audience a little bit about yourselves? They're like, who's Stephen Biscotti? What's Universal Monsters Universe? Uh, tell them a little bit about it. We got to get you that 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 sweet sweet traffic that everyone's always hunting for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, uh, how much time do we have? Because uh, if if I start talking about me, the podcast is you know like it's going to completely derail. Oh, please! It that's that's a common occurrence for us. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Uh, I'm Steven Biscotti. I'm the co-founder of Universal Monsters Universe. Uh, it uh, is a. It really became. It, it was a passion project for me. Uh, really, uh, three years ago, uh, right when talk started to begin about the uh, dark universe, before we knew it as the dark universe, and before uh, principal photography began on the Mummy, and I realized that we were living in a time where social media was giving fans the opportunity to really be a part of something in a meaningful way and in a way that we haven't really ever experienced before. And, uh, you know, we're all on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're all listening to podcasts. And we all know that people love the Marvel Cinematic Universe and people have a lot of feelings about uh, the DC Extended Universe. Mm -hmm. And I saw that uh, there was an opportunity to really create something uh, and start a conversation that I felt didn't exist. Mm. 
And mm. I felt like if we started a conversation about the Universal Monsters, if we started talking about this in a way that really was filled with the enthusiasm and the love and the respect that I had for this brand, these, these characters, for, since I was a kid, that by the time The Mummy came out, and other people started joining the conversation mm-hmm. and fingers mm-hmm. started pointing to, you know what, who started to first talk about this in the first place? It'd have to come back to us. Mm-hmm. And we, me, I, I approached my, um, one of my closest friends uh, and, and, and a writing partner. And I said to him, you know, I, I think, you know, we have an opportunity to really do something with this. Yeah. And he was all for it. And, and I've said this a few times to a few people. Uh, but never publicly, that it started as um, almost like a bathroom idea. I was brushing my teeth and <laughs> came up with the idea of the mummy, Tom Cruise, uh, Universal Monsters Universe. And and I, I called up Joe after brushing my teeth and uh, I said, Joe, listen, you know, this is something that I think we should do. And after really like collaborating with other bloggers mm. and and other different like entertainment sites we thought it was a perfect time to really create something of our own and and we started working on it and and teaching us you know really how to do it right yeah. and yeah. he gives me a phone call it was i think february 16th 2016 and he says they just cast the invisible man and it's gonna be johnny depp and i was like all right we gotta launch this now and <laughs> within maybe a half hour we had the whole thing up and running and uh we just started to you know march forward from there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it it really you know took off in ways that that were unimaginable because you know you you start anything and and you know you have your parents that are supporting and your friends and and you know anybody that'll listen to you and and then um i wrote an article about sophia butella and it was just a, uh, it was just like a little, you know, uh, biography on her, just like telling the world who she is and 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 why people should start paying attention to her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she ended up retweeting it and and uh, liking it and and starting to share it amongst you know everybody that that that's in her camp. Yeah. And yeah. and that was when we realized like, wow, we're doing something that's really cool, and and this might lead somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that led to us uh, becoming friends with with the creative team on the film, and and I think I could actually say this now, in in retrospect, but so much of our information that we were getting from that film, uh, uh, on the film and that we were reporting on, was coming from people that were directly involved, you know, in all different departments, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and they were mm-hmm. really really supportive of everything that we were doing, and then ultimately it led to about a month before the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Universal mm-hmm. Pictures, they contacted me, and uh, we had a really nice conversation about uh, about uh, how Universal Monsters Universe was founded, about my vision for, for it in the future, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, from uh, then on, uh, I've been very, very happy to, to work, you know, really closely with them in, in being this guerrilla aspect of their uh, intellectual property and, and really, like, their, their true mascots. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's awesome. That that is absolutely amazing, and it, and I love I love you know just you know how you guys got started as far as it just being like this passion project of you know here is this universe that you are absolutely in love with, 
um, and that you you see such great potential in, um, and you just want it you want it to be successful, and you want to be right there, you know, at the at the foundation of it um, to just see where where does it go, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> this this where all most great ideas start in the bathroom. Yeah. I I said matter of fact I said on the on the last episode that that's how uh Popcorn Prattle got started was, you know, me me and the the uh, first one of the first hosts um Calvin Hoskins, we were on the porch talking about Amazing Spider-Man 2 and why it wasn't so bad. And I was like, we should start a podcast. So it's it's amazing just how, you know, that one idea, and especially when you have someone who, you know, you can work with and you're like, let's just do it. Let's create something cool and let's just see where it goes. Um, so I applaud you for that. Um, and con- and congratulations, you know, on everything that you and your team have, have built. Oh, so, yeah. Th- I'm very, very happy to have you on the show. I'm happy to be here, and and I want to applaud you, sir, on your great taste for enjoying Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> hey, hey, Yay. it is not that bad. We're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to talk after the show. It's no, it's <laughs> well, no Spider-Man three. Yeah, we can all take comfort in that. That is that is very true. Um, but audience, we have an exciting show for you. We've got a great guest. Steven is back. Um, but before, before we go over today's topics, I just want to give my little disclaimer. If you really like the show, if you like what we're putting down and you're like, Hey, I really want to, um, I really want to uh, follow Popcorn Prattle even more, um, they bring on great guests. Uh, they are always talking about great topics. I want you to go. I want you to pause. Pause the audio right now. I want you to go to uh, to your Amazon A L E X A's because um, I don't want mine to start up. Uh, <laughs> I want you to go on the iTunes. I want you to go on the Podbean, Spotify. I want you to go wherever you are consuming your podcast, and I want you to hit subscribe. I want you to hit like. I want you to download. I want you to leave a review. Leave. Four stars, five stars, ten stars. I know the stars don't go that high, but guess what? Every little review and every little like and every little share that you guys give to us makes, number one, us a stronger show. Because guess what? We're going to be pumping out even more amazing content. Um, but it also lets us know, like, what can we do to make sure that you guys are entertained so that Popcorn Prattle continues to be the number one film talk podcast on the interwebs. Plug, um, plug, 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 plug. <laughs> and then immediately after you download all of our episodes and all of our back catalog, I want you to go over to the Universal Monsters Universe and I want you to hit the like page and I want you to follow everything that they've got. Okay? Okay. It's good stuff. It's, I've been following them for a while now and it's it's really good stuff. While Steven was talking, I was I was like following all their things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to point out, uh, we did our first Instagram takeover. Uh, it was always something that I wanted to do. And, and in, in, in three years of, of really figuring it out as I go along and seeing what people like and what people don't, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. thought it was time to do an Instagram takeover. And, and I reached out to Lindley and she did it. And I have to say that I felt so creatively inspired by everything that she had done that day. She's the best. And She's the I, best. I, oh, I, I, I was so... <laughs> 
I, I was so truly impressed. And, and I spoke about it to a lot of people and I was telling everyone, uh, you know, on, on Instagram and in person, just like on, on my own personal, you know, channels that like, look, if you don't follow this, if you don't like this just for this one day, please pay attention to what's going on. And I had so many people tell me how much they loved uh, what she did. Yeah. And yeah. so it meant a lot to, to have that and, and, and to really have Lindley as a part of the Popcorn Prattle family uh, collaborate with me, you know, in regards to an Instagram takeover for UMU. Uh, she has everything saved on the Instagram account. Uh, so I highly welcome anyone that listens to Popcorn Prattle and is a fan of Lindley uh, to check out Universal Monsters Universe on Instagram because all of her work is saved there. And and uh, it, it's really, really uh, quite entertaining and, and, and fun to watch. Oh, I'm blushing a bit. <laughs> Thank, thanks for letting me come on to do that. It, it was it was just so much fun to be able to do that. I've always wanted to do a takeover. And it was a I think it was a great place to do my first one. It was great. I got to talk about the mummy, which. <laughs> Speaking of which, what are our topics for tonight, Marcus? Oh, man, our topics for tonight. Let me tell you something. We have got some great ones for you. We, of course, have a trailer roundup. Lindley, Lindley was like, there so many trailers dropped last week. Lindley was like, we should have an episode uh, right now. And I was like, Lindley, we literally just finished an episode, and I'm tired. I'm retired. I'm sorry for being an eager beaver, okay? It's, it's okay. Because that, because <laughs> you know what? remind me never to say eager beaver. Yeah, never do again. that one again, okay? <laughs> I'm going to veto that one. Um, <laughs> but it's okay because we had so many more trailers come out. Um, we got a plethora. So we're going to, of course, do a trailer roundup. Steven saw a movie. Dave. Hey, Dave. <laughs> hey, Dave. <laughs> Steven saw a movie. He saw Detective Pikachu. Um, it was him, his wife, and a whole bunch of six-year-olds. Um, but he's gonna tell us exactly. He's gonna tell us exactly what he thought of the movie and whether or not we should go see it. And of course, for our main event of the evening, uh, we're gonna talk about the Mummy, of course, because you don't bring Universal Monsters Universe onto the show and not talk about Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Not the mummy that still gives Lindley nightmares, and not in not in a good way. <laughs> there, there, I there good mummies. There are good mummies. Shout out to my man Boris Karloff. <laughs> Shout out to my homeboy Boris Karloff, who's on my wall. Oh my god! I'm pointing, and you cannot see it. Oh, oh well, you, you point point away then. Okay. Uh, well. <laughs> Steven, Steven, Lindley, are you ready? Ready. You ready. All right, guys, let's prattle. So let's start off with um, just a little bit of a nugget. Um, news just broke uh, not too long ago as of this recording that Disney has acquired the rights, um, or sorry, has acquired Hulu, um, the digital streaming service. Um, that puts out a lot of, of TV shows, but now they've kind of branched out. Now they've got their own original stuff. Now they've got, um, they have uh, movies on there as well. Uh, it's becoming very big. It's not, I wouldn't say, would you guys say it's as big as Netflix or Amazon Prime? 
Maybe about as big as Amazon Prime. Really? Yeah, I, I feel like Amazon Prime's that. bigger. It's gonna get bigger, but honestly, I feel like since it's been around a little bit longer, it's not quite as big. Um, it is an OG yeah. streaming service. <laughs> yeah. I remember when it used to be free. Me too. <gasps> yes. When Hulu used to be free. Well, it still is. That. It still is, but you can't. But it's like very limited now. Yeah. Um, but Disney has acquired uh, Hulu, and and that led to a, a nice little back and forth between Steve and I in our in our group chat. Um, but it, it, Stephen had a had a very good question, and 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 excuse me, Stephen, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he asked. Are we are we going towards a monopoly of the entertainment industry by Disney acquiring Hulu? Um, so I'd I'd love to have a roundtable talk about the pros and cons. And um, I mean, if 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 Stephen Biscotti, I, I mean, I feel like I have to like say the whole name, otherwise no one's gonna know who I'm talking to. Um, uh, Stephen Biscotti, it, it, I mean, if you if you don't mind, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off. Um, what what are your thoughts towards this as far as um, Disney gaining, you know, one of the many infinity stones of the entertainment industry? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels like like it, it truly feels like that. And, you know, in, in many aspects of it, I'm, I'm very excited about this um, new landscape that we're entering within the entertainment world and, and with all that Disney's acquiring. But I'm also very fearful of it uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of them, uh, just in regards to that, with Disney controlling so much, I worry about uh, creativity mm. and, and yeah. with lack of yeah. competition. Uh, I feel like we could have this place where we're getting content that we enjoy, but that ultimately lacks any kind of depth. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. nothing excites me more than when you have like, you know, and it goes back to like even like superheroes and stuff like that. When you have like Marvel and DC both, you know, competing, you know, you have artists and you have, you know, writers and, and directors and actors and you have everybody trying to like create like the best thing that they could offer. Right. And right. I, I worry about that really changing dramatically uh, over the course of like the next like 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm again, you know, I'm very excited about it because especially with them having their hold on, on let's say like with like them acquiring 20th century Fox and, and now having, you know, like the alien franchise. Right. Uh, right. I'd, I'd love to see how they would handle something like that. I feel like they definitely have uh, the money and, and, and the right people behind it. Mm-hmm. But um, as somebody that loves entertainment and, and loves, you know, going into a theater and having, you know, 20th century Fox play and, and universal play and, and, and having Disney play, uh, and now like as we're entering with like streaming services and and it all being under, you know like Mickey just like leveled up. He has like the gauntlet and and like everybody else is kind of like trying to like hold yep. back the gauntlet. Yep. And we're trying to wonder who's the one that's gonna like like screw it all up and and pull a Star Lord and ruin it for us. Um, you know I I can't help but be optimistic but also pessimistic and and mm-hmm. if anything. You know, I, I, maybe it's a sign of our, our times that we live in. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'd like to see something great come of it. Uh, but but I'm very cautious about about um, what we're going to begin to see. Uh, I don't yeah. think it's going to be immediate. Uh, but I do think that over time, uh, we're really going to see a change in, in 
how people relate to entertainment and, and cinema and, and film and shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Lindley. I mean, yeah, it's kind of what Steven said, where I love Disney. You all know I love Disney. I've spent way too much money in my life on Beauty and the Beast merchandise. But it comes to a point where you think about the things that Hulu markets. One of my favorite things that Hulu has going right now is The Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. That show is one of the best things, streaming, TV, media, that is out there right now. And it's so culturally relevant in this time. But the last thing I want is because of Disney, because of their reputation and their branding, I'm afraid of it being watered down and I don't want to see handmaids in the parks. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want things like that because it's not made to be advertised like that. Mm -hmm. And because of that show, if they don't want to ruin that, you wonder like, how long is it going to last? I think we've all worried about the future of Deadpool Mm -hmm. uh, because of these takeovers too. And there, Disney has been knocking it out of the park on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then there are some things, especially with these, the fatigue of these live action remakes mm-hmm. that it feels like, are they making those just to pay for all of these mergers? Like I, how I wouldn't say that because if anything, I think the Marvel, I think the Marvel stuff is paying for these mergers. Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah, I think that these remakes are just kind of like biding their time. I would not be surprised that once the once Disney Plus gets out, I wouldn't be surprised if the rest of their remakes go straight to the streaming service. Yeah, which. We'll, I'd we'll be fine so. with. I don't. I don't. I feel like what. What is the purpose of? And I mean, we'll. I mean, I'm sure we'll. Um, we'll talk about it with Maleficent. <laughs> but what is the purpose of you know of having Aladdin? True. You know, so, or Lion yeah, King. I'm. I I love Disney, but I'm just worried about you know what Bob Iger will think. Mm-hmm. Is it on brand for the company and how, like like Stephen said, how the creativity of it all will suffer. Absolutely. Uh, Stephen Bailey. Um, well, you know, I agree with everything that's been said. I did. I, I, Lindley, you bring up an interesting point about being on brand. I feel like the brand of Disney has really changed and it's continuing to change. Um, because right now, its biggest assets aren't its classic characters like Mickey and Goofy and Donald Duck. Its biggest assets are Star Wars and Marvel and, um, I guess, coming soon, Hulu. Um, so, like, like I, ju- I just feel like the more franchises and brand names that it consumes, it's almost like that's becoming the new face of Disney. Um, and um, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of funny, uh, Stephen. You mentioned who's going to be the Star Lord in this situation who messes it all up. <laughs> I think it might be Sony. I was going to say Sony. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say it was going to be because Sony to mess because it up. because they still have the license to Spider Man. Mm-hmm. They're just and licensing Venom. it. Yeah, so <laughs> they do have they do have a trump card there. 
Um, they that still is... own the rights to Spider-Man. They're just licensing it out, so I don't know. I don't know. After seeing Spider-Verse, if, it seems like Sony has figured out their... I mean, if we ignore Venom. Uh, <laughs> it looks like they've, they've finally found their Spider-Man formula, because that movie was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was so good. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna come down to, um, especially with the new direction that it feels like the Marvel movies are going towards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's gonna come down to who owns the rights to Miles, because after Spider Verse, oh, they. I think they've realized now they have they they have money that that's the golden goose. Peter Parker is still popular. But Miles is also uh, as equally popular, and now he's becoming more of a household name. So I, I, Stephen, I completely agree with you. I think I think Sony is the one that will muck it up for everybody, um, as far as just holding out on. And I even, and I'm trying to think of what other franchises Sony might have. Because that's what also it's going to come down to. Um, Sony has to come up with more things other than just Spider-Man in order to not have a reason to sell to sell it back to Marvel or They've to be absorbed by right Marvel. The, yeah, the only ones I'm thinking of at the top of my head are Ghostbusters and mm. Men in Black. Yeah. Mm. Oh and, shoot, and we got the new Men in Black movie coming out too. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not. It's not a lot, but it's enough to keep it out of Mar out of out of Disney's hands, right. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Battle of the Five Franchises. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I feel like ultimately this comes down to and I and and Stephen we we talked about this in the chat. Um, I think it comes down to the fact that. We as, and we said this on the show actually too, we as a society need to change of how we see movies. Um, we need to honestly work harder to change the culture of Hollywood. Um, right now, Hollywood is convinced that um, if, you, if you put a superhero movie out, people, it'll become a box office smash and you're going to make billions and billions of dollars. We've seen, however, that that's not always true. Marvel just happened to catch lightning in a bottle and has been yeah. successful, right? But we don't know what's going to happen after Endgame now. We don't know what's going to happen with, with the DC franchise because now it seems like they they understand how to make a good superhero movie. Um, but let's just keep it real. There are so many other movies that are out that are not getting attention movies like um have you guys seen the trailer for brightburn oh it looks so good and that's sony yeah oh that's sony right i'm on sony's website right now doing some research and it is indeed sony that see that's a great it looks so good it looks like chronicle a little bit um and so it gives me that kind of feel of it's a superhero movie, but not really. Like, you could, like, this looks like almost like something else. It doesn't look like, it doesn't look like, it doesn't have that Marvel look or that DC look. You know what I mean? Um, this looks a lot more grounded as far as, like, oh, this could actually happen. Um, I mean, that, those movies like that, they, those look fantastic. Um, I mean, I know I'm about to cite another superhero movie, but uh, there was a, uh, 
there was a, a movie that came out, and I cannot remember the name of it, but it was about three um, generations of black women who all had superpowers. Oh, shoot. I don't think I've heard of that one. Oh, I saw the trailer, and it looked it looked like a Sundance film. But then you realize, you're like, oh, snap, this is a superhero movie. Um, and it's like the government's like trying to like the, they've kept it a secret for years. And the youngest daughter is like, she's like, mom, what's happening to me? And she's like showing her all, all these powers. And the mom's like, I can do it, too. And like you find out that her mom told her, like, never tell people that you have these powers. Um, and that movie, like it got a lot of like buzz from a from a couple of the Facebook groups I was in. Come to find out. It got a limited release because Hollywood did not see money in it. Uh. And it's like, here is a, a fresh take on the superhero genre that wasn't like, you can't pick up a comic book and read about these women. Like, this felt like it could have been a, in a novel. And yet, you're not doing anything with it. Yeah, if I could add something to that, Please. I I, Please. I I really like and and appreciate you know what what you're saying, Marcus, because that's something that as as a movie fan, it's bothered me this concept of uh, like really like this culture of movie fans that have been created over the past like eleven years, where you know they go to the movies and they get excited about things that you know bear the Marvel logo or bear you know a superhero you know where it's connected to a superhero comic book, and mm-hmm. they discredit. Um, almost any other movie that comes out. And for me as a movie lover, uh, I, you know, I was born in 1989. So I, I grew up where we still had, you know, gaps where we get maybe, you know, Batman Returns in 92, but then we wouldn't get another movie until like three, four years. Whereas yep. everybody now has been born into a uh, movie culture where you get like three films a year. And I remember it was last year. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Mission Impossible movie franchise. And Fallout oh, yeah. And uh, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a, a staunch, a big, big uh, uh, MCU fan. And mm-hmm. and we were kind of getting into it where, like I said, like, oh, man, like, you know, did you see Fallout? And he was like, no, nah, like, you know, like, like, I'm not going to see that. And it's like, like, dude, you're really, you know, discrediting a movie just because it's not a Marvel movie. But now you're yes. missing out on yeah. a really great action movie that's well shot well acted and it's mind-blowing in its scale and and it, in a lot of ways to me was even better in in what it accomplished filmmaking wise than infinity war not to discredit infinity war but i felt like they both offered something of great value to uh to the film going you know art and and experience and so i worry a little bit about that like when i hear that like hollywood doesn't find value in a movie like that where but now so many people are being deprived of potentially a great experience and an important story, you know, just because they don't see it as like, oh, it's not, you know, um, you know, a, a DC comic or a Marvel comic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and, not on a franchise, like a big franchise. Yeah. Not I, that. I, and, and, and no, no, I, th- I and I completely understand what you're saying, Lily, because. I mean, to be honest, you know, and I love Mission Impossible movies, but I was looking at the first three. They do not age quite as well as no, they really the, don't. As the other, <laughs> as the later ones. Um, and I still remember being in the theater. It was like what after, because Fallout was shortly after Infinity War, wasn't it? 
Uh, yeah, you Infinity know. War was April. Uh, Fallout was uh, July. Yeah, and I remember the at the beginning of it, right when the um, when the news report comes on, and you just see Ethan Hunt just look devastated because the three nukes went off. And I just sat in the theater being like, oh my God, it's happening again. The snap. <laughs> but it was <laughs> but it was cool because it wasn't uh I because in, in Infinity War, if you know comics, you knew the snap was coming. Me going into Mission Impossible Fallout, when the bombs went off, I was like, oh my God, this is the first time he lost. I almost feel like it hit me harder because I there was no warning because it is original. You don't have a uh, you don't have a comic book to open up to say like, oh yeah, you know, in the comic books they did this. No, it's like, oh my god, <laughs> like the bomb went off. What is Ethan gonna do? <laughs> um, break his leg. That's what he's gonna do. And yeah, delay that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tom. You did a great job. Um, <laughs> That's dedication. It is. Uh, but guys, I audience, let us know what you guys think um, about the about the uh, Disney acquisition of Hulu. Um, I will say to kind of to kind of end it. I will say, uh, just in the Marvel camp, uh, for those Marvel fans, I think it makes sense now why Agents of Shield. Um, Runaways and Cloak and Dagger were not canceled like the uh, Netflix yeah. shows. I think it makes sense that they're probably trying to consolidate those all on Hulu and Disney Plus. I wonder if Hulu will just dissolve and go into Hulu Plus. I hope not. I mean, not Disney Plus. I'm yeah, Hulu will dissolve and go into Disney Plus. Yeah. I really hope not because there's a lot of things that Hulu does that are not on brand, like I talked about. Yeah, true. That is true. Th- we'll have to keep an eye on it because, like I said, I mean, like they said, they're gonna do, uh, they're gonna keep Deadpool rated R. So I hope so. We'll have to keep monitoring that, just like we'll have to monitor the monitor these trailers. Ooh, nice yeah. segue. 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 So, <laughs> so Stephen Biscotti, we have here on a uh, popcorn Pratt, We have many fond traditions. Um, like go home DC or drunk. Uh, we've got Netflix in our box office it. Um, but this is a segment called Trailer Roundup. And for those of you at home who have never uh, listened to the show, first off, welcome. Um, trailer Roundup works like this. We just go around, we talk about some trailers, we break it, we break down what we liked, what we didn't like, um, and then we always, always, always say if we are going to see this movie. Or for not. We know it's just based off the trailer, but you know what? You guys do that anyway. Or worse, you base it off of what Rotten Tomatoes says. Um, so, meh. Uh, guys, we gotta talk about Steven's favorite movie. Sonic what? the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> You're never gonna let me live this down, are you? Nope. Never. Uh, Stephen Bailey, since you love Sonic so much, and Lindley called you out on the last episode and straight up was like, no one's playing Sonic in the background. <laughs> um, tell Sorry, us. Steven. <laughs> Even Dave was like, wow, way to call him out. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Stephen Bailey, tell us what you think about uh, what did you think about the Sonic trailer? Now that you now that we've gotten our first first look at our Sonic, guys, <laughs> I didn't want this. I wanted the world to come together in harmony and unite under a mascot that reminded them of a simpler time, their childhood, and they could also be entertained. And then I saw the trailer and we were given this, this abomination that's going to scar me for the rest of my life. Nightmares. Oh my gosh, Jim Carrey making jokes that haven't been funny since 1993. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not even looking, like, not even looking like Dr. Robotnik and, and, and a buddy cop movie with a mascot. Why is everything a buddy cop movie? And why does Sonic have human teeth? Why does Sonic not look like Sonic? Why does he haunt my soul? I don't think he liked it, guys. Guys, I didn't want this for anyone. I just wanted the world to be a better place i'm so sorry <laughs> i hate you so much i hate you so much uh, i'm better now jesus wept he yeah, did indeed he when he saw this trailer <laughs> oh my god lindley please if you wouldn't mind I'm trying not to get tickled like when we were talking about hot Jafar. But oh my gosh, Steven, I feel so bad for you. Wait, you think Robotnik was hot? No, I was trying that's not what I was saying okay, at okay. all. <laughs> no. Good, good. I, was, no. Uh, well, I I agree with Steven on most levels. It's it does not look good from this trailer. Um, I will say uh, I the director has come out and said that they're gonna ha- hashtag gotta fix fast with the character design of Sonic, <gasps> and I'm glad for that. But I also feel really bad for the animators who are probably not getting paid what they should and have to go back and restart from scratch. Well, do, do it right the first time. Uh, well, yeah. But also, I mean, they, I'm also worried about the script. I'm with Steven. Like, why is it a, why is it a buddy cop? Why is this just hop, but blue? Because they both have James Marsden. Yeah, they do. Except I like to call him James Marsden. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, I've been sitting on that joke for like two weeks now. It shows. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, James Mars. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid <Well>. Scotty. <laughs> uh, I guess the less I say, the better. Um, I, I, I was really rooting for Sonic. Uh, I, 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 I like uh, Ben Shorts. Um, yeah, I, I was really excited when when he is was that, cast. Yeah. And um, and I I've loved you know his his sketches and then even you know everything that he did on on Parks and Recreation. He's really one of the selling points for like the new uh, TMNT show. I, I love him as uh, yes. uh, Leonardo. Yes. Is he in that? Um, is he in that? He is. Yeah. And 
I really wanted like Sonic when I saw that the trailer came out, and um, yeah, like like everything that you, uh, uh, I, uh, I'm done. You speak He's your mind around. on this show. <laughs> Don't you feel afraid to express yourself? Um, it, what Stephen uh, Bailey said before about Jim Carrey making jokes that you know stop being funny in like like ninety two. Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I, I, it's just, I'm, it's making me stutter. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it just, it was, it's, it's just, um, and not very good. And I hate say, having to say that about something because I, I'm one of those people that, you know, I want to go into something, uh, and, and really just like not walk out of it. And even if it wasn't like the best, like say like, well, like, you know, it didn't suck, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. this was cool, but yeah, I think the whole like story dynamic, I, I, I feel like they could have done that better. I, I don't really think it needs to be a buddy movie. I think a Sonic movie could work, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as just a Sonic movie. And then, um, you know, Carrie's Robotnik, I like the little end bit that you see of him, but, I, you know, it's just that kind of, like, brand I, I don't feel really works anymore. And, um I, you know, I, I, I wonder about, you know, when, when, with what the director said and with like what Lindley said about like the animators, uh, I, I don't really see it being a success. And I think that's disappointing because it'd be cool to have a fun Sonic movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think this is going to be it. Yeah. I would like to see just a fully animated. I feel like that would have worked so much better. I agree. I feel like. This like Sonic should be an animated movie, and less Gangsters Paradise. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Where did that come from? <laughs> I, I, I listen. I'm just say it on the. Sh- I'm gonna just say it officially. You can't do a soup. You can't do a video game movie. You cannot. The only way that you can do a video game movie is if you choose a video game that is already like a movie. You mean you didn't like Super Mario Brothers? Back in the day, I did, but I didn't Mario, know any better. Mario, Mario, and Luigi Mario. Mario, Mario, Luigi Mario. You both named Mario. Ma- Your name is Mario, Mario. Golly, you can't do it. You you really can't. And the only thing that will save this movie, in my mind, and I, it's a meme that's going around, and that's if at the end of this movie. Detective Pikachu comes up to Sonic and says, I want to get you for the Smash Bros. Initiative. initiative. That's the (laughs) only way I will accept this movie because a Smash Bros. movie would be badass and I would be there in a New York minute and I challenge anybody to a game of Smash. Don't hit me with that Smash Ultimate bourgeois. You come to me correct with Super Smash Bros. Melee and let's throw down. That's how you really feel, Mark. Sorry, I some kids were talking smack because there's a tournament down the street from the school for some <laughs> reason, and I was like, "Man, I'll I'll stomp all those kids." I'm like, I was gonna I was gonna dust off my GameCube controller and <laughs> walk in Game there like a Cube. badass. <laughs> GameCube. Yeah, a GameCube, Steven. You know, like your Sega. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. How much you want for the GameCube? I still have the PS3 that you never got from me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk when I get paid my teacher oh my salary. God. 
<laughs> exactly. So never mind. That'll be never. Um, but Spider-Man Far From Home, a new trailer dropped. And now we realize why they couldn't show so much in the uh, first trailer. Because this one was dark and full of spoilers. Um, literally. Literally. It was kind of dark. Like, like Peter, Peter crying over to Tony. And also, if you're listening to this, ep- if you're listening to this right now and you did not, one, watch Endgame, what are you doing with your life? Uh, two... If you did not listen to our last episode, again, what are you doing with your life? And also, the trailer had a warning in front of the trailer. Right. Um, And and I'm sure people still complained. Um, But a new trailer just dropped. A lot of stuff was revealed. It sets up a lot. Um... Stephen Biscotti, you started first. Uh, Stephen Bailey, you started next. Uh, Lindley, you start this one off. I think the only issue I have with Spider-Man Far From Home is that we've seen a trailer before. Mm -hmm. And I wish they would have saved that until after Endgame. Agreed. Because it did make it feel like we were just waiting for everybody to come back in Endgame mm-hmm. because we've seen Far From Home, the trailer for that, and we knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. That being said, this is the trailer that got me excited because they used the M word. They threw down multiverse. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mysterio. Uh, nah, I'm that. that's a whole nother subject I'm not going to get into right now. Oh, oh, please do. But yeah, and just the way that it looks, I loved the first one. I loved Homecoming. Mm. The idea that they're going to start exploring this and it's going to set up the next phase of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we all need something to laugh over mm-hmm. in, a, in a good way after the levity of Endgame. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the palate cleanser before we head into the next phase. So I'm excited. Hmm. I have thoughts. Steve Biscotti. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, um, Mysterio's uh, one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. Oh, nice. Uh, him, nice. him and Scorpion were always like the, my top two. And there's a really cheesy panel in the first appearance of Mysterio. Um, and that I, I forget the issue number. Uh, but it, it's it's drawn by Steve Ditko, uh, written by Stanley. You know, the, the, just the magic of comic books. And uh, Mysterio's conning all of New York City. They think he's a superhero, and they throw him a parade. And there's one panel uh, where you see like a whole full parade. I think it's down like Fifth Avenue mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for for Mysterio, and everybody's cheering him. And it's like this. It's like when you think about it, like New York, like Marvel's New York City is like a place that I want to live in, where like. People are doing wacky stuff. <laughs> I bet. I bet the MTA works in it in Marvel's New York City. Thanos is getting arrested by the New York police for parking like his Thanos copter, and King the Conqueror is stealing lemonade, you know, from kids. He brought in the, the Thanos copter. MTA has to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now Mysterio, he he's a known con artist, and he's he's tricking everybody. 
Uh, I want to see that Mysterio revealed in this movie. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, we all know Mysterio is going to be the villain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But from this trailer, they're they're really selling us on this idea that they've been talking about since before we saw any trailers that he's going to be an ally to Peter Parker. Uh, he's almost going to be a bit of a mentor to him. And as, as interesting as that sounds and as different a take as that sounds, uh, and I'm not a purist by any means, uh, I don't really want to see that Mysterio. I want to see Mysterio turn out to be where like Molten Man, uh, Hydro Man are fake. I want to find out yeah. that Mysterio has yeah. been like messing with Peter Parker so much that the Nick Fury in this movie isn't even the real Nick Fury, that he's just like totally Ooh. toying with him the whole entire time. Uh, and I love Gyllenhaal. I, I, I think he's going to deliver something that's very close to what Keaton delivered in Homecoming. Mm-hmm. And and See? so Mysterio really is what has me sold on this movie. Yeah. Uh, really yeah. more than anything else. And also Zendaya. She's awesome. I really like, yeah, she's great in these. I, at first I was not sold on the idea of her being MJ. Um, I, after this trailer, I was like, I'm okay with this. I really am. Um, just because, like, she just, it feels so different. And and it's and I feel like it's different in a good way. It's not like, the, you know, the past movies where she, you know, the, the love interest is the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. You know, that she feels like an equal and somebody that Peter is, you know, he wants to protect because she just. She gets him. Yeah. Yeah. Um Steven. Yes. I mean, should I just take my headphones off so I don't hear you and get No, angry? no, 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 no. I'll, I'll behave. Okay. I'll Go ahead. You. What did you think of the trailer? Here's my concern. Oh my um, god. I already hate him so much. <laughs> my concern is that this might turn into Iron Man 2, where it feels like there's a whole lot of world building, uh, which won't be world building this time. It's going to be setting up the next phase or whatever. And I feel like that's almost that has the potential to take precedence over uh, the plot. I can see it. I can see it. It's it's a risky move introducing the multiverse. Steven did not make me as mad as I thought he would. Um, <laughs> it, it's a risky move, but I feel like it's a risk that you have to take. Um, I feel like it's an easy way to introduce the X-Men. I think it's an easy way to explain how the Fantastic Four gets their powers. Um, I think it's an easy way to do a live action into the Spider-Verse movie. Um, there are so many possibilities now that you can have just by introducing the idea of a multiverse. Um, definitely think, uh, Hall, he's going to steal the show. No, I don't think so. This, this, I, I really do. I feel like Hall, like... I can't remember which movie it was. It might have been like post Prince of Persia. He just did back to back to back. It's like everything I've ever seen him in, I have absolutely loved. Absolutely loved. Oh yeah, there was Prisoners, Nightcrawler. Yes. Yeah. 
He's oh a, my gosh. Nightcrawler's great. I have great. my own personal feelings on Jake Chillenhall. He is a fine actor. I'm just like, yeah. Uh-huh. All right. I, Do we all I, remember that Chillenhall was supposed to be Spider-Man? Uh, he was going to replace uh, uh, Tobey Maguire from uh, Spider-Man 2. Yeah, uh, uh, Tobey Maguire hurt his back during the filming of Spider-Man 2. And for like about a month, uh, there was this rumor online that Gyllenhaal was going to replace him. And I remember uh, just like as a kid thinking like, oh my God, like there's a real possibility Gyllenhaal's going to be Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker. And uh, yeah, if you, if you look that up, it's something it's something interesting. If, if um... uh, See, I wouldn't have liked that. I I wouldn't have I I feel like especially in like these recent years like older Gyllenhaal I feel like he's such a fantastic villain. Um, did you did you guys ever see Velvet Buzzsaw? No, it's in my queue, but I haven't gotten oh around my to watching it yet. Gosh, it is so good, and Gyllenhaal does such a great job in it. It's so scary. Um, but I feel like I I feel like Gyllenhaal is not going to be. So first off, it's, I'm so I'm going back to Stephen Biscotti's comments. So I don't think Gyllenhaal's going to be the mentor. I honestly think it's going to be Nick. I think it's going to be Nick in the same way that he was the mentor to Tony, which will give it some serious Iron Man 2 vibes because that's that's the premise of Iron Man 2. Yeah. Is that Tony's like dying have a donut and Nick has to help him. Right. Um, I do feel like the elementals... I feel like those are definitely um, constructs by Mysterio. Um, that he's he's the one manipulating it. And what I would love is for him to at like at the climax for him to reveal he killed his universe of Spider Man. Wow, that would be big. Yeah, he killed his universe of Spider Man, and he was on his way to death row. And when the snap happened. He got flung through the portal and got brought to this universe where Spider-Man's a kid. And so he's like, if I kill Spider-Man early, I'll be the hero. Oh. Yeah. Um, of course he fails. <laughs> cause cause Tom Holland has lots of uh lots of years under his belt with Spider-Man, apparently, um, according to his new contract. Um <laughs> But I, I feel like, um, Stephen, I feel like the the key to this, to keep it from being so convoluted um, with the multiverse thing, I feel it's a matter of introduce the multiverse, have it have the subplot where he killed his universe Spider-Man, and don't go any deeper than that. Just introduce the idea of a multiverse and leave it to other movies to like, they bec- it becomes your new Infinity Stone. Every move, every couple of movies, a new multiverse villain shows up until you get to a big bad that shows up. I can see it. You know, which, in my opinion, should be God Doom. But if you would like more information about that, go to our discussion group page. I'm not going to talk about it right now. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but guys, let's move away from the superheroes because we've talked it. We talked about it last last uh, uh, last show. We're talking about this show, um, guys. Speaking of horror, did you guys see it? Chapter two trailer. 
Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. That is the creepiest. Old women and creepy little girls scare me so much. And just the unsettling of the unsettling nature of you can't see the old woman half the time creeps me out to no end. Um, I, guys, I saw this trailer. Um, I was, I watched, I, I've only ever watched it in the daytime. I can't watch it at night. Nope. Um, if you guys did not see an audience, if you did not go see it, chapter one, it, chapter one is scary. It, it holds up. It is a good movie. It, chapter two, um, that is excellent casting of all those kids as adults. I sat there and I was like, yup, of course Bill Hader's in this. Yup, of course James McAvoy is in this. What? <laughs> Jessica Chastain? Of course. I am down. All right. Um, to have them as as your leads of the of um of the Losers Club grown up. Um I think they are they're going to definitely add to the weight of the PTSD that the kids um experience in their older age. Um and I feel like it's going to I feel like they're gonna be able to embody that same fear that those kids did in the first movie that was absolutely excellent. I I was terrified for those kids and I'm like, Marcus, why are you upset? You know chapter two's coming. Um so I loved it. I will be there when it comes out. Um see Biscotti, what about you? What did you did you see the trailer? Did you like it? Oh yeah, I know I know absolutely. Uh I, I love the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I like Stephen King. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I had read it several years ago. Um, when the chapter one was coming out, uh, it wasn't really a film that I, that I was really that excited to see. Um, yeah. I, I was a little indifferent towards it, to be quite honest. And mm-hmm. within that week uh, that it was coming out, I remember the buzz surrounding it to be so inescapable where it felt like this is a must movie that I like have to see opening night. Uh, and I went and I was, I was really quite impressed with, with not, I mean like aside from like anything that I could say about the direction and, and, and the whole film itself, the cast was really so perfect and we were getting uh, a movie that we don't really ever see. And uh, horror normally we know uh, stays away from when it comes to uh, harming children and as soon as Georgie uh, is killed in the beginning, and we see it in in really full gory detail, uh, yeah. that was the statement being made that like like these kids could be hurt. And I remember being terrified uh, uh, with the bullies and and all of the stuff like that that was existing in the movie, and even stuff with Bever- uh, Beverly's uh, uh, father, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and being really um, unnerved by by the content in the movie. Uh, so going forward to chapter two, uh, mind you, even like now, like that you have adults, uh, I, I think they're going to even push it even further. And uh, that whole the, the, the trailer I thought was so smart because it really just focused on that one scene. And, uh, you know, it was it was creepy as hell. And yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be great. I'd also really like to point out that. um Andy Bean, I believe he's playing the adult version of the Jack Dylan Grazer. 
uh, uh, a performance in the first one. He's yeah. going to be playing Alec Holland in uh, Swamp Thing. And uh, <gasps> I'm really yes. super excited really? to see uh, Andy Bean in Chapter 2. Because I think he's going to be one of those actors that is going to pop out of this movie and people are going to start to really talk about. And I think he's going to be somebody interesting to watch going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, Steven, what about you? You know what? I got to be honest. I still have not yet seen It Chapter 1. It's still on my to-see list. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a part in the trailer, I think the scariest part for me, it was this weird part. I don't even remember what the old lady says, but she she says something and then just stares at uh, Bev for like a really uncomfortable amount of time. And, um, and, and that got me because, um, not to, not to plug this anymore, but when I used, uh, when I did Nightmare of the Masked Lady, I actually used that same exact technique, that sort of uncomfortable long, what's going to happen. Uh, it's like plays on your mind of like, oh my God, this is really, really uncomfortable amount of time of nothing happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what that reminded me of. So I thought that it does look pretty creepy too. So yeah. yeah, as as a as someone who does really like horror movies, I guess I need to get on it and watch part one, so I can watch <laughs> I, this one. I think you. I think you would really, really like part one. Um, Lindley, what about you? Um, I'm excited. Again, I'm when it comes to Stephen King, I'm much more of a Carrie girl. Just because that was my first experience with Stephen King, and it just stuck with me. Yeah, the Sissy Spacek version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really appreciate what the filmmakers of it has done because they could have made something very kitschy, very, um, very like the Tim Curry version. And while I do love that version for what it is, I think they were bold enough to take it in a complete one eighty, and they really pulled it off they got because if you don't have the right kid actors it can tank a movie but every single one of those kids in this movie mm-hmm. has more talent than i do in my pinky finger i mean and they just they, they blew fantastic. it out of the water exactly they blew it out of the water and that's why i am excited for part two knowing mm-hmm. what the filmmakers accomplished in the first one and just to see what they're going to do with the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is, uh, I think this is a movie that we're definitely going to end up, uh, talking about as it gets closer. Um, and I can't, and I honestly, like, I honestly would not mind another trailer. Um, show and like, maybe not a whole scene like they did in this one. And don't show us too much either. Yeah, I mean, just, like, very quick, like, things that from the novel or from the original movie, scenes you recognize. Yeah. I think that's fine. I think, but I feel like even in the, in the chapter one, I feel like there were scenes in there where I'm like, this is a different interpretation of this scene that I really like. Um, I recognize it, but it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm just watching, I'm literally watching a remake. Um yeah. You know, I'm watching a remake without it feeling like one. It feels like the first time. So I love that. Um, All right. So we're clipping right along. Uh, Maleficent 
Mistress of Darkness. It's out. <laughs> um, who uh, who the hell asked for this movie? I didn't even realize. I heard that there was a Maleficent 2 coming out. And then I was like, no, but we're not really, right? No, yeah, we really are. are. We are. Uh, Steve Biscotti. Wait a minute. Yes, yes, Steve Biscotti. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, I, I honestly, I haven't, I haven't seen the trailer yet. You're not missing anything. <laughs> I, I saw, um, like on Instagram, where, where they do like the ads for it. I've seen like that, like opening tracking shot, and I've seen, uh, like like a still shot of Angelina Jolie. Um, I, I, I can't really, I can't really say anything to it. Uh, mm. I do know uh, that this film is one of the reasons that that really led to uh, uh, production on Bride of Frankenstein uh, being delayed because uh, Universal really wanted to work with Angelina Jolie, and so for me, I and I love Angelina Jolie. I you know I I've been a fan of hers since Girl Interrupted and and her Tomb Raider movies, which I'll argue yeah. are really fun video game movies. Um, but I'm, I'm a little, um, I, I, I'm not annoyed, but I, I feel that I would have really have much rather have seen her commit, uh, to Bride, which is a movie that she's been, uh, very closely associated with. And I feel like, um, her insistence, I guess, on, on doing Maleficent 2, uh, has pushed back that film and, um... Uh, I, you know, I, I, so, so uh, Maleficent 2 is, is something that I'll probably see, uh, but it, but it's a kind of a sore subject, you know, because I know it's the thing that's standing in the way of a movie that I'd much rather see. Right, right. Shoot, now I have a bitter taste in my mouth. Tell us about it, Lindley, you're next. Um, so I will admit I've watched most of the trailer, but on mute because I think I was with my family at the time when it came out and I just kind of watched it in passing. Mm-hmm. And um, it it looks, part of it looks very unoriginal. The other part of it just looks ugly mm-hmm. in a just, uh, from a scenic and costume perspective. Mm-hmm. Because I, I didn't care for the first Maleficent, but you had to admit it had, it was visually beautiful. And there were a couple scenes in it that were, that were all right. It just didn't make up for the whole. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Marcus. I'm not sure who was asking for this. <laughs> and I do love Angelina Jolie. I'm going to be interested to see what she does with the Eternals. I still really would like to see her as the bride. I just, I'm, it's hard for me to get excited. And you know me, I miss Disney. I It's hard for me to get excited about this. Yeah. Part of it just might be the look. Another part just might be the fatigue of the live action things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because thinking about the, lineup we've had this year i was excited for beauty and the beast just because it was beauty and the beast and that's a movie that means just so much to me mm-hmm. but think talking about dumbo talking about aladdin talking about lion king like yeah i'll go see it but i'm not it, it i'm not going to be there opening night and with right. this i may not see it at all 
I'm still holding out hope because this is our first look. It was a teaser. So they do have time to change my mind. I'm not giving up hope. But yeah, now I'm with Steven. Like, I didn't know that this was what was delaying the Bride of Frankenstein. I didn't either. And she's like the perfect person for that role. Yeah. Well, it's such a better, I feel like that's a better story as well. Like, this Mm -hmm. is, you know, I'll get get to it. it, It's going to be, Maleficent is not a person that needs the wicked treatment. Right. And that's what they're, that's what they tried to do in the first one. They're just going back and be like, oh, she's good, but now something's leading her back into the dark. But you know, it's Disney at the end of the movie. She's going to do another turn and Mm. be good again. Uh, I I would like to see more. Right. Uh, Steven. Maleficent 2. Nope. I was really hoping you were going to say Maleficent 2 Electric Boogaloo. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no, just no. I I agree, Steven. I mean, like, what what can you, what else can you say about this movie? I didn't see the first one because it didn't look interesting. I'm not going to see this because this looks even less interesting. I, 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 nope. That's really the best word I have for it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I saw Maleficent. It came on TV, and that's the only reason I watched it, because nothing else was on. It was the summertime. So I sat down, and I watched it, and, and you're right, Lindley. The first part of the movie, I was like, okay, this would be great if they didn't have the redemption part of it. Yeah. I was like, you're, you're cowards, Disney. You are such cowards. Like, just make her evil. And that would have been so much better. Um... But they didn't. They they redeemed her in the end. They did not do um, stay true to the uh, to the original movie, which she didn't even become a dragon. No, she turned her friend into a dragon. So and this it's, is saying like, it's like again, it's, she's the perfect person to play this role mm-hmm. from an aesthetic point of view and from an acting point of view but they didn't give her a lot to work with and that's the big shame of it well she sound i mean i mean even just the sound of her like she had the voice down i mean there were parts of that movie where i was like this is straight out of the cartoon um and i loved it and i was like this i'm like this is a great opportunity to again not give this person the wicked treatment like what they did but really make her, you know, something like a like a very like a very tragic, tragic villain. But a villain nonetheless. Right. But I mean, they were scared. They were too scared to do that. So then they came up with that. And now they're making, you know, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. With they're not making really that mu- be the mu- money. Of evil. They're making that mu- mu- mummy money. The only thing I'm excited about is <laughs> what? What? It's from Teen and Titans Go. Oh, well, that's also a horrible remake. Um, <laughs> yeah. Michelle... Hey, I've heard really good things about Teen well, Titans Go to the movies. Apparently, that's supposed to be really good. Well, they lie to you. Um, Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer is the only good thing about this because she's fantastic, and I love her so much. Um. Yeah, that's all I can say. 
It's <laughs> just Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be great. I didn't even know she was supposed to be in this. Until yeah, she's the villain. Her. She's the villain. And not Maleficent. <laughs> yeah. Like you can you oh you can tell from the trailer. Um I I listened. I did I started to do what you did, Lindley. I watched it silently and then once I like was free, I was like, "All right, let me listen to this." And it's written all over. It's like, "Oh, so Aurora basically has a misunderstanding." And Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be, like, this evil she's, witch. She's the instigator. Yeah. So. Sorry, nope. Maleficent, Mistress of Darkness. I spoiled your movie. Now go make Bride of Frankenstein. You're welcome. Um, We have our last trailer. We got ourselves a little bit of Black Mirror. The season five trailer. I'm so excited. It's very, it, the, the trailer is very quick. So let's do our roundup really quick. Uh, Lindley, go. Uh, very excited, but very sad. There's only three episodes. And holy cow, diversity. Steven, go. Uh, Bailey. <laughs> um, no, Black Mirror's never really done it for me, so not not interested. You're an idiot. Steven Biscotti, go. <laughs> uh, I do like Black Mirror. Uh, I actually... I. I saw that the trailer came out today, but I, I didn't have an, a chance to watch it. I saw a still of Yahya Abdul-Mateen uh, in his episode, and that looked really interesting, uh, just from the picture alone. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, after Bandersnatch, Black Mirror can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, and season four was absolutely phenomenal. Um, can't wait to see season five. And I just um, continue to hate Stephen Bailey. Um, trailer roundup done. <laughs> Yay, we did Yay. it, guys. All right, well, guys, we're going to take a short commercial break. And uh, when we come back, we are going to get from Mr. Stephen Bailey a spoiler-free review of Detective Pikachu. And then we're going to talk about The Mummy, a retrospective discussion with, of course, Mr. Stephen Biscotti of Universal Monsters Universe. So, don't go anywhere, get a glass of water, listen to this little tease, and when we come back, the fun just keeps on going. Stay tuned! Hello there, everybody! My name is Mitchell Hansen, and I'm the host and creator of Not So Famous, a new twist on a variety show structured to bring you news, entertainment, laughs, and personal quandaries as we interview a different artist each episode on what they've been up to, what makes them tick, and how art is at the core of what makes us human. You can catch us pretty much bi-weekly on Spotify, iTunes, or Podbean, and this show wouldn't be possible without the generous love and support from our executive producer, Marcus Sally, over at Shenanigans Incorporated. So go grab your morning cup of coffee or that late-night glass of wine and settle in to your next episode of Not So Famous. We're glad you're here. So, uh, Stephen had, um, had date night in uh, Soul World when he and Anna got snapped. And <laughs> while they were in Soul World, um, Stephen, what did you get a chance to see? Detective Pikachu. Mm -hmm. Detective Pikachu. Another movie that Stephen summoned into existence. Um, Stephen, how was it? 
Well, if you were like me, you were kind of wondering, is this is either going to be the biggest uh, dumpster fire disaster um, of the year, or it would be an unexpected uh, hit. Um, sort of a movie you don't expect to be any good, but turns out to be really good. Um, I would say it falls much closer to the latter. Um, this is my spoiler-free thoughts on it. Um it's got some good and some bad about it. Um, I'll start with uh, the bad, just because I think I think they're the ones that people are probably most curious about. Uh, first of all, the story it is definitely aimed at kids, like maybe eight to eleven year old kids. Um, don't go into this expecting a real brilliant mystery. It's for older audiences. It's very predictable. Um, the acting is okay. It's fine. Um, the, uh, but the story itself is just kind of mediocre. Uh, it's really more the characters, particularly the Pokemon themselves and Pikachu in particular, uh, who steal the show. Um, it, it, it is very, a very entertaining movie. Um, the humor mostly lands, but you know, again, it's, mostly aimed at kids, but there's a few things in there that kind of make you go, did they just put that joke in there? Um, <laughs> but in a good way, like it is entertaining. Um, the, um, I know one of my personal complaints seeing the trailers was I didn't, I, I didn't really like some of the CG uh, characters. Uh, I felt they looked a little too cartoonish uh, and not really lifelike. And, this is where I have mixed feelings because there are moments where uh, some of the Pokemon do have that kind of, I don't know if you could say high definition Pokemon stadium graphics. Um, but then there are Pokemon that look incredibly realistic and it's kind of like, it, it, it's a little jarring how some Pokemon look really cartoonish and then others like Pikachu and, Several others I won't mention uh, look really realistic, and you could tell they put a lot of effort into. Um, I think the things that this movie does the best are the action scenes, which uh, were pretty pretty good. There is a um, uh, there's several action scenes that are in particular uh, really well staged uh, and designed. Um, and I almost for at least one or two of them, I would say those alone, um, could be worth the price of a ticket, maybe a matinee, but maybe not necessarily the whole, um, rest of the movie, but, um, the action scenes are really good. And the other thing it does really well, I feel, um, is it's world building. Um, mm. you know, we played the games, we watched the TV show, we, you know, um, we know like what the world was according to the anime and all that, but this movie does a really good job of just blowing the doors wide open and making it feel like a world, uh, where humans and Pokemon actually coexist. Um, and it feels lived in. And I would say that's the other thing it does really good. So do I recommend it? Um, I would say if you want to fully appreciate some of the visuals and the action, um, as well as some of the um, scenery of that world. Definitely, I would say it's probably worth maybe a matinee. Um, 
if 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 not, if you're just looking to have a good time, you can definitely wait for Redbox. I I would not say you'd waste your time with it, but definitely don't go into it, you know, expecting um I don't know, uh Zootopia or something like that. Um right. so yeah, it it's for kids, so some things it gets a pass at. Um mm. but that's my that's my thoughts on it. Not terrible. It was okay. It was cute. Cute is a good word. I have a question, Steven. Yes. So, video game movies and movies based on video games or their properties have a reputation of being not good. Do you think this is the beginning of a new age of video game movies? Like, is is there a possibility (laughs) from here to move on? I'm going to say yes and no. Okay. I'm going to say yes if uh, filmmakers get smart about it and kind of continue um, experimenting and trying new things. But I'm also going to add a little bit of caution to that. And Marcus, I'm going to bounce off of something you said earlier that you you said something like um, video game movies tend to work better if they're based off of a game that's already kind of like a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've never actually played the detective Pikachu game, but I was reading a synopsis of it. Um, and it does sound like the two are similar. It didn't sound like they were exactly the same, but it did seem like they were kind of similar. So I wonder if like maybe it used the game as a jumping off point. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I don't understand why it's been so hard for people to adapt video games into movies um, one big reason is that, you know, movies, they lack one of the things that makes video games, video games, and that's the interactive part. Um, but you know, Marcus, you mentioned, uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch earlier. That's an example of, you know, bringing some of that interaction back. And I think maybe with a few years more development and ideas and creativity kind of coming together, I think they can kind of continue to get better. Um, as well as just being smart about the movies they make and how they make them. Yeah. Well, also don't forget that. Um, I mean, yeah, Sonic has has this too, but um, I mean, also don't forget. I mean, Pokemon has a long, long, long uh, televised history. Yeah, so, and movie history too. Yeah, so, I remember I mean, seeing Pokemon the first movie. In theaters, getting my ancient Mew card. So they're no stranger to, you know, filmmaking by any stretch of imagination. I think it's, I think it's going to be a matter of like, I mean, take a movie, take a video game like Halo, and then make that into a movie. I think that's the true test. Can you take a like strictly video game? Like, there's no... Well, no, because Halo has movies. You, I mean, take a video game that has no sort of connection to anything outside of the video game world and then put it up on the big screen. That's the test. Because otherwise, I mean... I guess my argument would be, is it really a video game movie? Because I wouldn't consider Detective Pikachu a video game movie. It's more of like, you took the anime... You took the you took content from an anime and did a what if. Hmm. 
that's that would be my that would be my thing. That would be my thing about it. But um Steve Biscotti, Lindley, would do you plan on seeing this movie at all or Steven convince you? <laughs> um I think I will see it. I think it's most based off the nostalgia mm-hmm. of Pokemon. There is a photo somewhere of little elementary school Lindley who thought it would be cool to line up all her Pokemon things and take a picture because that was how I rolled back in the day. So I loved Pokemon. I want to see it for the nostalgia. I want to see it for Ryan Reynolds to see what a PG Mm. Deadpool would look like. (laughs) And since I have the AMC A-list, I think I might give it a shot. But if I didn't, it might have been one that I would wait until it was out on DVD to see. Mm. But I will see it. Uh, Steve Biscotti, what about you? Yeah, I'm interested in seeing it. When the first trailer came out, I was really, I thought it was really cool, the designs of the Pokemon and how they brought them to life and and how real they looked. Uh, Between, you know, Pikachu having fur and, and, uh, like, Charizard and and seeing all of them, I thought they looked really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I'm going to be seeing this in the movies, uh, if only because I don't really have the time to. Uh, if I did, I definitely want to check it out. Uh, but it, I'm probably almost definitely going to have to wait for it when it comes out. Um, but it looks cool. Uh, I like Ryan Reynolds. I, I've heard a few things that I guess you could say uh, spoiled some of the plot details. And, then, and I'd like to see how that actually unfolds on screen. Um, and if this means more uh uh video game adaptations or or stuff like this uh then all the better and if this means that we're gonna get something uh better designed as opposed to something like sonic then all the better that absolutely i um steven i'm with you i i think i will wait for this to come out on video um or even on like fx or something (laughs) um if I'm being completely honest, it's like, I, I don't know. It's Pokemon to me. It just feels maybe I would like this, but I got out of Pokemon because I was tired of seeing Ash's story. Mm. It was just, it got so repetitive and it was like, it was like, and I, and I, you know, I occasionally do this, um, compared to this. It's like professional wrestling. You know, it's like watching a wrestler all year trying to get the belt, trying to get the belt. He gets to WrestleMania, and you would think that the payoff would be he gets the belt, right? <laughs> and then he doesn't. And that's... So, like, the entire season of Game of Thrones this year? Oh. I got my own thing. No, I've got my own thing about Game of Thrones, <laughs> because if you mofos would read the books... That was coming all That was a long time coming. We'll, I was not surprised when I read what happened. We'll save the whole Thrones talk for another podcast because we yeah. need, we oh, we need to discuss it. Yeah, yeah, because I got some words. <laughs> um, and I don't even, I'm a pull of Stephen Bailey. I'm like, I haven't seen it, but I got words. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love you, Stephen. Sometimes, um, but I, um, 
But yeah, I just, uh, you know, I just fell out of Pokemon. And then when I heard about Detective Pikachu, I mean, really the only thing that I want to see, the only reason I want to see it is because of Ryan Reynolds. That's it. Um, which I'm sure, I mean, that's why he's gotten top billing. That's why Pikachu is um, front and center. This That's why it's not Pokemon, Detective Pikachu story or whatever. Um, I just... Eh, eh, look, I'm a grown-ass man. I'm about to buy a car, okay? Ain't nobody got time to see Pokemon. Detective Pokemon, Detective Pikachu. Ain't got time for that. <laughs> Gosh. I still would have liked to see it if they had gone all the way and casted Danny DeVito. Like they were supposed to. Oh, I would have loved that. <laughs> I would that have loved would have been that. Amazing. But like I said, no one's got time for that. But you know what we do have time for? It's that time of the episode. Stephen Bailey, tell him what time it is. It's main event time. Main event time. That's right, Steven. It is main event time. And um, we are going to be talking about universally loved. Eh. 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 Uh, Movie, The Mummy. Not the Tom Cruise one, uh, but the beloved... Um, Brendan Fraser won. Uh, it's a great so movie. I feel like everyone episode. has, I feel like everyone has like a memory, a fond memory of this movie, which is, which is great. Um, and it's something that you don't, I don't think I've ever met anybody that dislikes this movie. Same. Even if they're like, they're not like huge fans of it, they still will. Like if it comes on TV, you're going to watch it. You can't help but watch it. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, again, I was visiting family in North Carolina this week, and it just happened to be on TV. And my cousin sat down to watch it. My dad sat down to watch it. It's just, it's just such, it's a movie that brings families together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Indeed. Um, so let's, let's have our guest, uh kind of start us off um this is a retrospective discussion we can you know bounce off it everyone feel free it's like a it's family style everybody everybody go in and, and grab something uh from this movie um but please start us off uh you know what what do you remember about this movie what what makes this movie in your opinion what makes this movie great um why are we still you know as Lily said it was just last week um or this past week you know, families are still sitting down watching this movie. Why do you think that is? Okay, I've I've got a funny story with this actually. I'm sorry. Are you Stephen Biscotti? <laughs> I was about to are say. Are you our guest, or did you just get unsnapped? I'm pretty sure you just got unsnapped. I will slap you in the throat. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Steven's like, Steven's this guy is like, what is happening? <laughs> what did I get myself into? <laughs> the Mummy is easily one of my favorite of the Universal Monster films. And I know 
to certain Universal Monsters fans that might sound sacrilegious considering the 32 classic and it, it's several sequels that it spawned. Um, but I grew up, you know, with, with the Indiana Jones movies and I grew up watching Universal Monsters movies. And I remember, you know, I, I had dressed up as the mummy for Halloween and, and my mom and dad bought me uh, the Karloff, the, the tape, and I saw the Hammer movies with Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my memory of this movie and how I knew of it is kind of uh, foggy because I feel like now, just like we spoke about with like It, uh, Black Mirror, um, uh, Maleficent, we know about movies that are coming out almost, it feels like, a year or two years before they even come out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like we know about a movie before it even starts filming. And like 1999... You know, I don't remember, you know, like, I, I, I know I wasn't online, and I know I wasn't, like, looking at Instagram or Twitter or anything like that to know about this movie, yet I knew it was coming out, and I knew it was a big event. Right. And I remember seeing some commercials on TV, and my mom and dad were really excited to take me and my friends uh, for my birthday, uh, just knowing because I love the Mummy movies so much, and to have a modern Mummy movie come out that was also very much an adventure, Indiana Jones kind of movie, they knew mm-hmm. that it was something that was going to be really important for me to see. And um, I remember we, we got our tickets uh, in advance. And this was, mind you, like, like that wasn't even a thing that was really being done then. Mm-hmm. And so we saw it uh, the Saturday, uh, May 8th, uh, 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 like that opening weekend. And we saw it um, at the theater. And when we got there, the line was like around the block for this. And we had our tickets early, and the uh, and the theater workers let us into like this main lobby area, mm-hmm. and then they closed the doors once we went in. And my um, uh, my memory, as I recall it, it was like something out of like Dawn of the Dead, where all the zombies are plastering up against like the like the mall uh, doors, and people were like saying like How are you in? Let us in! And when we finally got into the theater, they had oversold uh, they oversold the theater where people were uh, standing in the aisles and sitting on the steps. And it was packed. Mm-hmm. And it was a proper event. I think what makes this movie so special is because it was really the first modern take on the Universal Monsters and the first modern reintroduction of the Universal Monsters to audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, because at this time, other than the movies that we had in like the 30s, the 40s, uh, some in the 50s, that was really it. And we didn't really have anything like a mummy or a Dracula in that time between then. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, a big selling point that, that I continually talk about is that after Last Crusade came out, there was that gap where we didn't have an Indiana Jones on screen. And I felt like the mummy worked because it filled the void of not having an Indiana Jones in the movies. And it also was a proper monster movie. Uh, of scale of budget and people really gravitated towards that because it was it was nostalgic already but it was also something so new and it's one of those things that like when we look at stuff like iron man one that kicked off the whole you know universe it's lightning in a in a bottle where the cast that they got between uh uh fraser and 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 rachel weiss and and everyone involved just there was real chemistry and magic between the characters and, and 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 the effects at the time 
were so good, but they were also in such service to telling a fun story that it just worked. And, and I can't imagine, you know, a movie like that having the same success now. And I mean, we kind of look at the 2017 Mummy film as an example of that. And um, I really feel like The Mummy truly is one of like the last of the modern classics where it exists in this um, way where we all remember it and we all, you know, are obviously still talking about it. Whereas movies now, you know, it's like like the way we have our relationship with like Instagram where we like something and then we immediately scroll and like 10 scrolls in, we forgot about what we liked. Uh, We see a movie now, we like it. And then like a week after it comes out, we already forgot that it was a movie that we cared about for a year. Uh, the Mummy is something that like we all got excited by, and mm-hmm. it, it it was adventure, it was romance, it was fantasy, and it touched on everything that Hollywood uh, was doing right, and it was a little bit of old Hollywood mixed with new Hollywood, and yeah. I really don't think we'd ever get anything like that again, again, mm-hmm. as evident by the 2017 one, which I did like very much, and I want to point out starred Hot Jafar, Marwan Kanzari was in that movie. Oh, um, Lord, I forgot about that. You know, it's just Other like... Other part was it? <laughs> uh, yeah, but The Mummy 1999 was special to me because it, it, it just it touched on everything that I loved as, as a fan. And, and I think for so many of the reasons that I enjoyed it, it was a moment where we all universally agreed that like it spoke to us and mm-hmm. brought us together as movie lovers and as, as monster lovers, and, and it was really special. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lindley, what about you? I've I've talked a little bit about this during the Instagram takeover that I did for UMU, but I remember going to see this in the theater. I owned the VHS, and then once I wore that out, I had the DVD. The DVD went everywhere with me. Every time my family would take a trip to Myrtle Beach or any of different places, there would be two DVDs that I would always have with me. One was A Knight's Tale. The second was The Mummy. Oh, and that's a good road trip. I, it's a great road trip. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the thing that I loved most about it was because it had all the elements of a fantastic adventure. It had suspense. It had action. It had the romance. But it also had this amazing cast of characters. Mm-hmm. I remember... I clearly remember Rick O'Connell being my first big crush. Mm-hmm. But I also remember falling in love with Evelyn Carnahan because we hadn't really seen a character quite like that, not to my memory. Mm-hmm. We'd had the we'd had the damsels, we've had the, you know, femme fatales, but Evie was she was intelligent, she was clumsy, she wasn't ashamed of who she was and just how she acted and because of that I spent so much time as a kid just studying ancient Egypt and wanting to be like Evie mm. like Evelyn I, yeah, back in Myrtle Beach we had a hard rock cafe and it was Egyptian style it looked like a big pyramid and their their oh, motto yeah, is yeah do you remember that one yeah yeah and they had written, their, their slogan was love all, serve all. And when you would be walking out, they would have something written in hieroglyphics. And I was standing there and I was looking at it. And it was written in the 
however it was. I was like, oh, that says love all, serve all. The host looks at me and goes, how did you know that? I was like, because I want to be Evelyn Cunningham. <laughs> and it just meant so much to me. And it was something that I always loved. But it was something I loved that, you know, different movies came into my life. Mm-hmm. And I I hadn't watched it in a while. And when it popped up on Netflix a couple of years ago, I was reminded of just how good it was. Yeah. It, it 20 years on, it just celebrated its 20th anniversary. It still holds up. I still get those same feelings watching this movie that I did when I first saw it in the theater. When I first brought it on a road trip with me. Yeah. And it was the movie that not only got me to really explore cosplay because I wanted to pay tribute to that character I love so much by making the book, by putting together her costume. But this movie was also the gateway for me back in the day to discover the original monster movies, to discover the 1932 Boris Karloff version, and from that, watching the original Frankenstein, Bela Lugosi's Dracula, the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon. It opened my eyes to a whole other genre of film. And especially horror films that weren't slashers, that weren't gory, that were suspenseful and made you sit on the edge of your seat, no matter how old those films are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have to thank that movie, the 1999 movie for that, because it's not like those original movies in any sense. It, they're yeah. very different genres. And it's, it, it, it's not afraid of being something different. Right. But it also pays such good tribute to the ones that came before mm-hmm. by still having suspenseful moments, by uh, having the same character names, by naming different characters as, you know, characters from the original, by naming Ardeth Bay, uh, Odeth Fair's Magi character, um, naming him who Imhotep's alias was in the Boris Karloff version. Right. And it's just, it, it, it gets. Better and better every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I, I'd like to recommend to you, Lindley, and, and to everybody listening, that uh, the first sequel to the 1932 Mummy movie uh, was made in 1940 and was called The Mummy's Hand. And uh, I, I really highly recommend anyone that loved The Mummy 1999 uh, to watch the 1940 movie, uh, The Mummy's Hand. Uh, it's a sequel, but it's also a reboot. Uh, mm-hmm. It features all new characters, and it features a mummy called Karis, and he's the main uh, mummy uh, villain that then lasts through the Universal Legacy of Mummy movies, I think up until 1950. Mm-hmm. And the tone and story and concept of the mummy's hand is actually in a lot of ways uh, the contextual inspiration for Stephen Summers' Mummy movie. And so it it pays complete tribute to the original Car- uh, Boris Karloff film, but a lot of the plot and a lot of like the development of characters owes a lot more to its sequel. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you watch that movie, it, it's very, very short. It's I think it's about like, I think it's like 60 or 70 minutes. It's very quick. But wow. you will be blown away by how much it's like the 1999 one. And I really could not recommend it enough. Oh, I'm excited. That's awesome. I'm so excited. 
Stephen, what about you? What did you um what are, what are your fond memories? Well, you know, I mean, uh, I I don't feel like I can add too much more than what's already been said. I mean, I remember when it came out, every like all it was one of those movies where somehow I think I was caught up more in the waiting on the Star Wars movie coming out that year um, that I just completely missed hearing about the mummy. But then all my friends were like, oh, my God, the mummy is so cool. The mummy, mummy, like. And at that point, you know, the only like it sounded cool because the only mummy um, media I had ever consumed was uh, the Goosebumps books, uh, Curse of the Mummy and the uh, Return (laughs) of the Mummy. Um, And at that point in time, I had really enjoyed those books. So um, my dad actually took me to go see it. I think it was at the uh, Dollar Cinema at that point. And it really was life changing because it was like. It was like at that time, you know, before Lord of the Rings came out, it was like, this is the most epic action movie I've ever seen. And Mm -hmm. there was just, it was hard to imagine movies getting any more epic than that. Um, Just the grand scale of the battle scenes and the action and the really enjoyable characters. Uh, When it came out on video, my brothers and I, we watched that movie so much uh, that sometimes we would just play games pretending to be the adventurers uh, on the journey with them. And so every time an action scene would come up, we'd pretend we were like shooting up a bunch of Emotep's priests. And it was pretty fun. Uh, we'd be like sitting there acting like we're all a bunch of Rick O'Connells jumping over the couch. like <laughs> And like uh, d- ducking under tables, throwing uh, pretend grenades and stuff. It was, I mean, it's... It was just a great time. And, you know, you watch it as a kid and you enjoy it for all those reasons. But then you watch it as an adult and you realize just how enjoyably smart of a movie it actually was. Mm -hmm. It's like you said, Lindley, it's a very confident movie in what it wants to be. Um, And um, I just I, I just I I mean, it's still really enjoyable to this day. Um. I have to say, um, I think it might be, I, I don't know, it might be a victim of the Mandela effect a little bit. Um, I I don't know why, but I feel like when I saw it in theaters, I feel like there was a moment in the movie where they actually name um, the leader of the Magi by his name, Ardeth Bay. But then on video, that scene doesn't exist at all. And like he's never named that in the movie, and I don't know if I'm just misremembering it or what. But um, no, because he says it, doesn't he? Not, not in the Mummy. Not in the first movie. Do they mention it in the Mummy Returns? They do. No. Ma- yeah, in the Mummy Returns, they do. And in the I Mummy, th- he's just listed as Ardeth Bay in the credits, I think. But I do not remember them saying his name at all. I could have sworn when I watched it on TNT the other day or like on sci-fi, like he says his name to them. Yeah. Also, I mean, I could be, I could be wrong, but like I, I could have sworn like I heard him say his name. Also going back and talking about hot Jafar, Odeth Fair has played Jafar, but in Once Upon a Time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So if you're if you're in the mummy, 
you might as well be Jafar. No. That's, <laughs> that's how that works. That's the lesson we have learned today, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but it, it also makes me wonder, it has, like what Bailey was saying, it, it was, or someone said, I can't, I'm mixing up my Stevens. It was truly lightning in a bottle. Yes. It truly was. And you can't get that anymore in movies these days because I do feel like sometimes, especially with this whole everything is making a cinematic universe, everything has to top the box office charts, you don't get that anymore. Everything is taking itself so seriously. When The Mummy, it knew exactly what it was. Mm. And it ran well, with it and embraced it. And that's and that's kind of what I was going to say Um just from my memories of the mummy, I I just remember it was this was back in the day when me and my dad still watched movies together, um, as opposed to me just telling him. And then when I buy the DVDs, I give it to him. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's our relationship now. But back in the day when we uh, would watch movies together, um, oh my gosh, we love we love watching the mummy, and it did fill that void of. There was no Indiana Jones movie. And I remember being younger and thinking, I was like, oh, this is so much better than Indiana Jones. <laughs> um, like, I thought, you know, Rick O'Connell was such, such a great character. Um, it made me love Brendan Fraser. Uh, Rachel Weisz, like, I started paying attention to her a lot more after that. I think that was one of the first movies where... I remembered the actors' names Mm -hmm. just because of how good of a job they did in that movie. Um, I still even, you know, I mean, we're talking about The Mummy, but I still even remember in, like, The Mummy Returns when, uh, you know, Rick is having that fight with Imhotep, which... Came for me came out of left field because I was like I was like no nah, it's a Scorpion King's fight he's gonna fight the Rock and the mm-hmm. Rock's gonna rock bottom him. Um, <laughs> no, this was a straight up. It was like no, Imhotep's like he does like this Egyptian like he brings down like he does this like move where he like brings down his his like fingers in front of his face like he's putting on a mask uh, right before oh, he yeah, fights the... Rick and I I do that to this day. <laughs> Like, if I need to get hyped, like, I do that, like, backstage. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's get in there. Um, but, I mean, that's I mean that's just a testament to these movies of, um, you know, you, you created something that was really, really cool. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, I like the, I like the, the Universal Monsters. Um, yeah. To be honest, I've always been much more a fan of them from from their literary form um, as opposed to their on screen form. Uh, mainly because I'm more exposed to that more than the more than the the films. I know hashtag justice for Mina Harker. Justice for the Texan, absolutely. Justice for the Texan, absolutely, Linda. You're absolutely right. Um, but I sat there. And that was like the first, that was like the first um, Universal Monster movie that I was just like, oh man, I cannot wait for another one. Like I need it right now. And 
I until Lindley said something on the show, I was I was all ready to watch uh the new mummy. And then I was just kind of like I, I just I don't know. I just got a bad taste in my mouth and I feel like it was and I've said this on the show countless times and I'll say it once more from the front more to the beach, my friends. Um I just feel like these these monsters don't need a cinematic universe. They don't need it. Like it's it's fine. You can have a one off. And the mummy proves that more than anything. At you know, it it did not need a cinematic universe. Yeah, it 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 earned sequels. It was it was a movie that earned its sequels. It didn't need a sequel. It earned one. Um, and I feel like that is a testament to a good movie as well. Um, but I, 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 I mean, I, I agree, Lily. I mean, I feel like, you know, again, this is, you know, it just kind of reiterate this is a movie that stands on its own. It, it doesn't really does. need, it doesn't need a, a cinematic universe to be, um, to be great. It doesn't need to s- smash the box office and it wasn't trying to. And it, it was didn't, just like, it wasn't greatly reviewed when it came out. Was it not? No. This is before I, think I even on, like paid it on any Rotten Tomatoes so right now. Know. It has like a 50-60%. Well, that's a mistake. When the mummy came out in 1999, we could all agree that like the theater going experience was uh, was so much more of an innocent time than it is now and True. speaking to yeah. Yeah. Marcus and Lindley and, and and you Stephen had said um you know there was a confidence behind it where you, you could tell that the filmmakers they knew the movie that they were making they knew exactly what they wanted to make and they released it and mm-hmm. it just connected with people but i think people as as theater goers they were able to just kind of like say you know what i could get on board with this you know and i don't need it to be the next this or i don't need it to be the next that and i feel yeah. like yeah. now uh it kind of touches back to what we were saying earlier about marvel and and disney everything now we're we're consistently faced with it with our products having to live up to the next thing and i don't know if it's us being trapped in like this endless cycle of nostalgia or or irony but like the mummy 2017 it had to be the mummy 1999 it had to be iron man 1 and i think yeah. because yeah. we hold so much of our our entertainment now in a way where it's almost handcuffed to something that won't allow it to just be what it is. Uh, it's a shame because The Mummy, you know, I, I feel like if it came out now, I think it would be a lot like that conversation I had with my friend with Infinity War and, and Mission uh, Fallout. Uh, but it was just such an innocent time, and, and I'm glad that The Mummy exists in that way and that we could still look to it uh, and remember, you know, like the Jerry Goldsmith score and Brendan Fraser's performance. Oh, so and, good. And there's so many wonderful qualities to it um, that we could really cherish. And and I really wish with movie going now, um, and it's one of my hopes for the upcoming monsters that it, it's, and this goes completely to what you said, Marcus. Um, I was a big fan of Penny Dreadful. And how they created uh, a shared universe of the of the literary monsters, and and they definitely paid tribute to a lot of like the universal monsters in that, especially with Ethan Chandler being uh, Talbot from from the Wolfman. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted. I remember when I was watching that, I wanted to see uh, Dark Universe before it was even referred to as Dark Universe. Be that I wanted it to be a modernized take 
of what Penny Dreadful was, was yeah. doing. Yeah. But I think the problem was, you know, they focused too much on it having to be the next MCU, the next cinematic universe, and not, you know, monsters and superheroes, but just the idea of everything having to connect to one another. And uh, if the mummy focused more on just being a good story well told, I think people would connect to that more than, you know, knowing exactly what the studio is trying to do with it. Yeah. Right. And I love what you said, Stephen, about how they felt handcuffed. Because, you know, Marvel had such success. DC was trying to do the same thing in Universal, trying to do the same and find that same success with their properties. And they have such good material with their monsters. And I love how I was watching a, a, a park video about Universal Studios Hollywood, and now they've got so much monster merchandise mm-hmm. about the OG monsters. And I love how they're finally embracing these properties. And I know we've talked on the show about how we want them to take their properties and do something completely different. Do something that sets them aside, like possibly doing a an anthology mm. series. You can still have this dark universe and still give these filmmakers and creators the freedom to do their own versions of these monsters, mm. but not have it, as you said, handcuffed to a cinematic universe. Because I know we have The Invisible Man coming out soon, going to be produced by Blumhouse with Elizabeth Moss. And, oh shoot, I'm, forgive me, she's the, she played the lead character in Wrinkle in Time. They've all been cast in it. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, there's still hope. That all these, that we might can still get something that was as great as The Mummy. Maybe not in the same vein, but something that is is still as memorable and still sticks with people. We can get that with Invisible Man and hopefully down the road with Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, not to make this uh, an Invisible Man podcast, which (laughs) we'll get to at some point. But um, I, I think the idea behind The Invisible Man is great because... You know, it's a $15 million budget. If you look at, you know, the costs of how, how much it costs to make the original Universal Monsters movies uh, due to inflation, it would roughly be around 10 to $15 million today. And I think, uh, if I remember correctly, I think The Mummy 2017 opened with like $130 million or something like that, or, or it, it, it was near like $130 million. And so if you look at a movie like Invisible Man and it costs $15 million tops to make, and opening weekend, it does like 70 to 80 million. I mean, that all but guarantees, regardless of what people think, that, all right, we're going to commit to the next one. And I think Blumhouse's strategy of doing low-budget horror, which yields a higher box office, regardless of critical uh, consensus, uh, bodes well for Universal. And and I think they know that they have to get it right uh, with Invisible Man, especially in order to ensure that these are their mascots like Mickey is for, for Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could easily see Invisible Man, regardless of what certain fans might think about the, the newer take on the source material, uh, it doing well and ensuring Bride and, and Creature and, and, and the rest of these movies going forward. Yeah. 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 I think, and, and, then, and then I would like to, to close... I think that 
um, kind of to that point, I don't think that this universe is is done by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-mm. I feel like, uh, you know, what, especially what DC has shown is that you can mess up as a company and still get back on track. Shazam you know? proved that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Shazam, uh, Aquaman. Aquaman. Um, yeah, I mean, these these are movies that did well in the box office and were critically and just by the general public, like, they were well-received. Um, you know, you look at Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible was the first couple movies were not that great. And now it's like, I cannot wait for the next movie. Um, despite what Lindley might say, Fast and Furious was the same way. A lot I... of people did not enjoy those first movies. And then what do they do? They decided to make a, a heist movie. I and admitted now... I am intrigued by Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, now they're doing Hobbs and Shaw. See? See? I, I just, um, I feel like it, it just, it's going to take, you know what it, you know what it takes? It takes someone like a Kevin Feige, Feige, however you pronounce his name, his last name. It takes someone like him yeah. to step, to step up and say, Hey, this is how this universe should go. And I'm doing this not as someone who just wants to make money. Cause at the end of the day, you're, you are trying to make a profit, yeah. right? You want to be compensated for your art, for your craft. And I get that. And I'm not holding that against anybody. But when that's all you care about, your product is going to fail. But when you care, again, cite Wonder Woman. Yeah. And even even going back, circling back to 1999, I think Stephen Summers was that person because he truly did care about these properties, about these people. And I say what you will about this movie. I love his Van Helsing for what it is. And it was clear the love of the original monsters that he has. I mean, by opening the movie in that black and white, paying tribute to the classic, the classic style. You're talking about the... Uh... Yes, the Hugh Jackman version. I love that version. Don't judge oh, me. Oh, no, I, lo- I really enjoyed that movie. I, I loved it. I know, I am not even, I thought I was the only one. I really enjoyed that Van Helsing movie. I did not think it was that bad. <laughs> I, I still have the DVD with me. I, I, if I may, I'd like to share a, a quick funny story about Van Helsing. Go ahead. Uh, so I, I like, when Van Helsing came out, I absolutely saw it in the movies and I loved it. And I wanted that to be like the second coming of like what Steven Summers did with The Mummy and the fact that we were getting Frankenstein, Wolfman, and, and Dracula, and it sounded really, really cool. And Summer's take on The Mummy was great. And I really had a lot of confidence in, in what Van Helsing would be. Uh, I, I, I like Van Helsing, and I don't like Van Helsing. Um, <laughs> uh, Van Helsing, to me, um, is in... It, it's, a, it's a movie, to me, that represents a lot of missed opportunities, uh, with the characters mm-hmm. uh, the opening is brilliant in how it's shot in black and white in in the way they uh re uh, uh um they re you know energize who dracula is for modern audiences and and even you know having van helsing as a as a bit of like a rick o'connell kind of swashbuckling hero 
Um, but it was about two years ago I wrote an article uh, called like something like Van Helsing and how he cursed missed opportunities. And I wrote this big lengthy piece on on why I didn't like it and why I felt like it was a disservice to the Universal Monsters. And the uh, reception that I got, I was astounded by how many people disagreed with me. And, and I was actually really amazed by it. Van Helsing was a movie like what The Mummy was to a lot of people. The film that introduced, uh, or I, I guess reintroduced, who the Universal Monsters were to so many audiences. And there were a lot of like kids uh, that, that were like now in their teens that said to me like, you know, I was like seven when like Van Helsing came out and that's what got me into like the Universal Monsters. And now I love Dracula and now I love Frankenstein. And so uh, Van Helsing, I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it because I don't really <laughs> like it, but I really admire it for really how much it's done for, for the Universal Monsters. And I can't deny yeah, yeah. That, that it's really spoken to a lot of movie fans and to a lot of monster fans and and if it gets people interested i will never stand in the way of something that's going to invite people to read the books and to rewatch the movies i still love the blooper i give you van halen um thanks thanks steven summers thank you for all the all the good memories and thank 20, you. 20 years on. <laughs> and thank you, Stephen Biscotti, for uh, for coming on to the show, man. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate you coming in and, and talking talking the mummy with us. Um, it has been a long time coming. Um, and anytime you would like to come back on the show um, in the dark universe, come. You know what? You know what? We're gonna book you right now when the Invisible Man drops. All right, let's do come it. Back, come back on the show. Yes. <laughs> We're going to do it. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> I, I want to be here for every single talk of the Invisible Man, like first teaser trailer drops. You know, <laughs> I, and I come in and, I'm only, and I only talk about that segment and then I disappear and then people are like, he is the Invisible Man on, on the podcast. He's like, <laughs> he's here one moment and then he's not here and what's going on with him? And, and yeah, this could be really cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know our audience is going to love it. Um, audience, we've had a lot of fun. But y'all, it is late. And I got to teach in the morning. And, and Stephen does too. Stephen Bailey, that is. Um, but before we leave, you know how we like to do things. Uh, so Stephen, uh, you know, this is your opportunity if you would like to to shout out your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook page, all that good stuff. Where can the folks at home find you and support you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Universal Monsters Universe is really quite universal in regards to social media. Uh, you could find us on Instagram at Universal Monsters Universe. Uh, you could find us on Facebook at Universal Monsters Universe. Uh, those are both, of course, uh, independent functions but also in service of uh, our website, which is www.universalmonstersuniverse.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter, and that's at umonstersuni, umonstersuni, uh, U-N-I. And we also have a Tumblr page as well, but I readily admit, I, you know, out of all the social media uh, uh, things that, that I do, Tumblr was the one that I had to sacrifice. 
because uh, it's just hard to kind of like in, in, engage with all different uh, facets of it. Uh, but yeah, welcome everyone to just follow it. And if you love the classics, uh, we're always celebrating and cherishing those. Uh, but we do love, you know, 1999 and, and the Benicio Del Toro Wolfman and, and uh, the Tom Cruise Mummy movie. And we're absolutely going to be chronicling every step of uh, the way as uh, we near principal photography for the, uh, for the Invisible Man in July and all the way to the premiere. And there's little nuggets of information that I already know that I haven't been allowed to share, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And if anyone's interested, yeah, please follow us and please, you know, reach out to us and let us know what you want to see more of and, and what you like and what you don't like. And I'm always accessible to, to have a conversation, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and to share, you know, my thoughts and hear your thoughts about the Universal Monsters. Fantastic. Uh, Steven, where can the folks come with you? Folks at home, uh, if you head over to YouTube and type in Bailey's Film Workshop, uh, you can see some of my short films work. Um, you can also follow me at Twitter, at Bailey's Workshop. Lindley, where can the folks at home reach you? Folks at home, you can mostly find me on Instagram, at Little Lottie, that's L-O-T-T-I-E. You can see my Instagram takeover that is now saved at Universal Monsters Universe. Go check that out. I am had such a fun time doing that, talking about the mummy, talking about cosplay, and th the beginning and the end of it. You have to watch all the way to the end, because both the beginning and the ends are my are the my best things I've ever done. And also, coming up soon, uh, you can find me writing for Outlander Cast. I'm going to be uh, taking over, kind of doing some fan appreciation, writing about one of my favorite TV shows and book series. So if you're a Sassanac like I am, or if you're like Marcus, who I finally convinced that Sam Hewen would be a mighty fine Batman, you should... Go follow uh, Outlander Cast on their Instagram, on their Facebook pages, and yeah, you'll be seeing my articles there very soon. And of course, folks at home, you know me. You can always find me on Twitter at Popcorn Prattle, P-O-P-C-O-R-N underscore Prattle, P-R-A-T-T-L-E. You can also find me on our Facebook page. I'm always in our Facebook group page where we are always talking about film. You can talk to Hey Dave. Hey Dave. Uh, there. He's always posting stuff. Um, if you would like to hear me in other places, if you want to like, like, oh, does it just talk about movies? Check me out on uh, some of our sister podcasts like Not So Famous with Mitchell Hansen and, of course, Roll Initiative. I have no idea how to play D&D, &D, but I think <laughs> I'm doing it pretty well on the show. Um, and not affiliated with us in any uh, shape, form, or fashion. They're just awesome people. And, of course, I am the lead in a very own sci-fi uh, audio drama known as Continuum Force, where we are trying to uh, right the wrongs of history. And let me tell you something. The most recent episode is the JFK assassination, and I straight up cried during recording. So... You definitely need to check that out because it's awesome. Awesome. Okay, I think that's everything. Guys, I've had so much fun talking with y'all. An audience, 
It's been real. You've got to go. So I leave you with this. From all of us to all of you, we wish you peace, love, and tranquility. You all take care now. Remember, no harm ever came from reading a book.